Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's edition episode of Florida Spectacular Podcast. Uh, good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm great. I'm ready for this episode, and it sounds like an exciting one. So let's just, we got two guests today or, or one guest? I have one guest, um, somebody who's there with the guest, so like a co-guest. But okay. let me just get to it. Uh, today, okay. we're welcoming Charles Ellis, who is the president of the Fort Mose Historical Society. Fort Mose, the, the best way to locate in your brain where Fort Mose is, is think about St. Augustine, and it's in that area. There's a little bit more to the story about why Fort Mose is not just any other fort. And Charles is here to talk about what's going on now um, in you know, February, uh, February 2024, but also the reconstruction of the fort, which is very exciting. So Charles, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so tell us what's going on with the recon... Well, let's start uh, the capsule version of why Fort Mose is so significant in Florida history and what's really great about it. Well, Fort, you know, Fort Mose is the first legally sanctioned free settlement for Black America in North America. Uh, that that happened back in 1738. And so it's and also uh, Fort Mose is uh, a national historic landmark, uh, which is a destination. And by having that destination, it sort of generates a lot of attraction for visitors to come to Fort Mose. Uh, Fort Mose um, being uh, the first free uh, black settlement in North America, uh, it creates a lot of uh, interest and a lot of uh, conversation and visitors sort of put that on their bucket list to make that uh, journey to Fort Mose. Uh, and hopefully by building the reconstruction of the fort, it would also add to that uh, bucket list uh, folks to become more, more and more curious. And by adding the reconstruction to uh, Fort Mose, um, that's going to create another whole big wave of visitors uh, coming to Florida and also coming to St. Augustine, which is also good for businesses and also good for uh, Fort Mose and also for the state of Florida. That's a lot. Uh, what year? What year? You said it is the first sanctioned black settlement, legally sanctioned. What year is that? I want to give people an idea of um, how far we have or haven't come yet. Well, 17, 17 they, they transferred here in 1738. And so in 1994, uh, it was designated as a historic landmark uh, for the state of Florida. And so in 1996, uh, the... Um, Historical Society uh, was was uh, born, and so the so 1996 is when the uh, Citizen Support Organization was part of the Florida Park Service, and we are a citizen support organization that support the park and all their efforts uh, in uh, making sure that the story is uh, accurate, and make sure that the uh, uh, the visitors have a, a good. Uh, uh, a venue to come to, and also uh, a good experience when they come here uh, at Fort Mose. So I um, I like the St. Augustine area. I'm not so much for the Spanish Quarter proper. And we've talked on this podcast before about Lincolnville. And I think something that gets left out of American history a lot. I mean, there's no doubt that a lot of Black history gets left out of American history, but specifically what gets left out of Florida history and American history is the St. Augustine's area 
the St. Augustine area's contribution to where we are now with um, integration. And I'm not going to say that there's not still segregation, because I think institutionally, we still see a lot of that. But there are a lot of things that were significant for uh, for our growth as a society that come out of Fort Mose, that come out of Lincolnville, that all all swirl around St. Augustine. So um, you said the fort is getting reconstructed right now. Yes, yes, it is. Who's paying for that? Uh, the uh, we, we have this, the, a, a grant. There was a grant uh, instituted back in 2021, uh, which was around $933,000. But, uh, but I tell you, our um, visitors, uh, uh, sponsors have stepped up uh, to support that effort. Uh, we have raised over $3 million to build this fort. And we have uh, probably around about probably seven to 10 sponsors that came on board to support that effort to build this fort. Uh, and we just had the groundbreaking here on uh, January the 19th, uh, which we did the groundbreaking. So to celebrate uh, the efforts of all the uh, sponsors that put forth the effort to make this dream come true, uh, this project uh, kicked off back in 2012. And we started out uh, uh, having golf tournaments and uh, having other uh, fundraisers and also having uh, events uh, that to support uh, the efforts to sort of build this uh, re- reconstruction of 1738 fort. Um, by, ha- by having this fort here, what it's going to really do is it's going to really amplify um, the story a lot more than what it really is. Because now when we talk, when you talk about going to Fort Mose, you're not just going to a museum. Because you're going to see a fort, a representation or a reconstruction what it was back in 1738. And I think that in itself will certainly uh, excite people. And also it will certainly have an opportunity for them to put that on their bucket list or it sort of becomes sort of a designation. So when you're planning your vacation trips or planning to come to Florida, you know, what's new, what's exciting? I think that's going to be sort of at the top of the list of the things to see when you come to Florida. And plus the fact, uh, when you hit the Florida line, well, you Jacksonville is the beginning. So just right below Jacksonville, well, you run right into St. Augustine, the oldest city, you know, uh, in the United States. And so it's the first free black settlement in, uh, in North America. You know, so that's that in itself is going to create a, a lot of excitement. And uh, and we're looking forward to it. And it's going to be great, great for our visitors. Uh, that's going to be coming to Florida because now it gives them another another, another added attraction. To, to reach out and to see. And not only that, uh, it also uh, gives us an opportunity to uh, talk about the history of African-American, you know, and the contribution that it made to, to American history. And so it's a story that's, that hasn't been uh, told very much, but uh, within the last uh, three, year, three, three or four years, uh, it has been really gaining a lot of traction. And I would say that one of the things that's really generated a lot of that attraction, too, is the fact that we have the Jazz and Blues event. And, of course, and we're going in our third season uh, with the Jazz and Blues event. And, of course, and that kicks off uh, next week right after the fight to freedom. And so it has generated uh, a lot of uh, interest, uh, not only uh, just in uh, St. Augustine and not just in Florida, but throughout the United States. Uh, we've had people come this far as from Virginia, Washington, uh, uh, 
in Washington, D.C., uh, the Carolinas, you know, all over just to, to visit uh, Florida, but also to visit the jazz and also what that jazz event series is, is, is represents. Yeah, it represents the culture of Black America and also the history of Black America. Weren't there, in fact, two forts? The first one was built and then burned down by the British, and then there was reconstructed a second time by yeah. the the settlers there. Right. And uh, so, the 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 fort that you're you're building is it going to resemble more the first fort or the second fort, or kind of a synthesis of both forts? It's it's the first fort. It represents the first. Okay. Fort. Yeah, it represents the first fort because the size of the it, it represents the same size as the first fort that was built. Okay. The second fort was a lot larger, and the second fort is where the uh, uh, they they lived in the second. The first fort they did not live on the first fort. Uh, they sort of lived in uh, in in the city and and around the San Augustine area. Uh, I see the Spanish as well as with the natives. And so, where where are you putting that on your property? Because if you haven't been. You kind of, you come into the parking lot, and then there's a wonderful museum off to the left, and then off to the right, you you go on this boardwalk across the marsh and look at the the islands, I guess, which are where the forts actually were. So, where are you going to build the fort? Well, if you walk walk into the museum, <clears throat> and then you walk out the museum, okay, and you're looking to just straight out to the Anacostal. Okay, it's going to be slightly to the left. Uh, if you see, if you come, if you come to the uh, the jazz and blues series, I don't know if you've been there or not. If you, mm. Okay, well, if you have not, well, anyway, it's going to be uh, as you walk out the uh, museum and facing the intercoaster, it's going to be just left of the uh, uh, museum right there. And there's there's around forty three acres out there, so there's plenty of room to put the fort and also to continue to have our jazz and blues event that. Uh, that's what we're all excited about, and hopefully that'll continue for years to come because it really should certainly bring a, a, a wide, a wide broad of uh, diverse people to come out and to see Fort Mose and also to see it under the lights, under the trees and all that, which is such a romantic uh, evening for, for those that come out the way they set it up. And the amphitheater does an outstanding job of doing that. Oh, so you have it at, at the at the St. Augustine Amphitheater or on property? On the property, oh yeah. On the- oh, you got it's a great space. I was last there. I was on a tour with the Florida Trust for Historic Preservation, and we first we heard from that wonderful reenactor who portrays Francisco Menendez. James Bullock. James Bullock. He is amazing. He yeah. was so yeah. great. And then there was a speaker from the Gullah Geechee um, Heritage Corridor, and that's where I first learned that St. Augustine is considered part of the the Gullah Geechee Corridor. Can you talk about that? Because I, that's a thing that I think most people don't know. They think about that as being in the Carolinas and those um, barrier, or not barrier islands, the, the, the low country there. But St. Augustine is part of that, right? Uh, yes, it is. And I, I, I would say that I'm not that knowledgeable about the Gullah Geechee because I focus most of my uh, concentration on the uh, Fort Mose side of it. Uh, but however, it is a, a part of that. Uh, the Gullah Geechee became part of the Go to the trail and also uh, Fort Mose um, back here probably I want to say maybe five to seven years ago and to make that connection and it runs down through uh, uh, Armstrong in that area down there so it has we have a strong presence here uh, for the Gullah Geechee uh, and matter of fact we just had a gentleman to speak to one of our uh, uh, annual events uh, that talked somewhat about the Gullah Geechee 
So it is certainly a part of uh, uh, the heritage that we have with the with Fort Mose and the, uh, the inhabitants of the King for St. Augustine. So is is Fort Mose considered a, a, an underground railroad site? Because I've done, we had a speaker who talked about Angola in Manatee County and, you know, all the research that's been there and they, they got the designation as underground railroad site. So is Fort Mose considered that too? Uh, yes, it is. Matter of fact, uh, for so many years, I think it's been considered that they they considered that the underground river went north uh, as opposed to going south. But when you think about uh, uh, the time when the uh, the flight to freedom, well, when the flight to freedom coming out of the Carolinas, uh, that was back around 1738, and that was long before uh, the underground railroad went north. So folks were fleeing from the Carolinas around 1738. Uh, and after that, so uh, the Underground Railroad did go south before it went north. Uh, so, so we wanted to try to keep that record straight, but but there's a challenge there. So uh, it's, it's, it's in the history books uh, today. Well, you know, there's a lot that uh, Florida's never really been on the good side of a lot of wars. And um, I have a lot of respect for the 1619 project, but I think that there's some things they leave out, and a lot of it has to do with Florida. Uh, you know, the first uh, enslaved person was brought to Florida before 1619 with the Spanish, and um, people forget that we had these these two colonies, and was one colony under the Spanish, and if you were an enslaved person in what is present day Georgia, it was a lot easier to go down. To, to Spanish-held Florida, where they weren't fantastic, but I believe at the time they believed in something called manumission, meaning that you could essentially earn your freedom, which is kind of a weird thing to think. Um, so it was a lot easier for people to come to, to Spanish-held Florida and a lot faster and safer and um, than it would be to get to Canada. Um, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this Mr. Ellis, but you know Andrew Jackson used that as an excuse to raid Spanish Florida. Is that it was too tempting to have free people of color living so close, and they had to take Florida back from from Spain. It was uh, a big part, a big part of Southern history that's just been overlooked. Uh, yes, it has, and and I think that was one of the what at the, the Battle of seventeen forty with the the Battle, Battle of Bloody Mosaic. Uh, was so important to the English to try to, to retrieve uh, uh, Florida back uh, at that time uh, because there were so many uh, enslaved personnel, people that was uh, coming to Florida because they heard that if you came to Florida and uh, you committed Catholicism and the men uh, agreed to serve in the military uh, for, for several years, uh, you would be able to get your, gain your freedom. And so uh, that created a, 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 a certainly uh, ambitious uh, reason to want to reach out and come to Florida uh, at that time. I, I have another question. Cause, so the sites of where the forts actually were are the islands, right? That are you see from the boardwalk, that's where the forts were? Yes, right, right. Uh, on the boardwalk out there, there's there's a, uh, uh, a sign that sort of gives you uh, a direction as to where the two forts were. And if you go out there, and what we're trying to do now with Flight to Freedom, we're creating another narrative uh, that would sort of better help them understand uh, just what that fort was, what that, what the two forts are, uh, because it's, since there is no real designation and you can't see it, uh, 
but the, the panel the panels we have out there do just uh, make that determination and folks can read those uh panels and sort of get a better idea as to where those two forests were built at are are those islands at risk with with the waters rising and climate change and tides and all that kind of stuff uh well I've, I've, there's a lot there's a lot of conversation uh concerning that at, at this point in time uh and i think that the uh, uh the Archaeologists and uh, the Florida State uh, Park uh, Foundation, Florida State Parks, are uh, well aware of that, and that they're sort of monitoring that. But I don't see we don't, based on information that uh, we've had a chance to receive from the archaeologists, that we don't see that really being a real issue uh, at this point in time. But there's nothing to say that it couldn't happen sometime in the, in the future. So uh, at this point. Do they, do they continue to do digs out there, or they are they found everything they think they're going to find? No, they're continued they're continued excavation out there from time to time. Uh, the archaeologists, uh, there's a team that works out of Flagler uh, College there that go out there from time to time to do uh, digs uh, at the uh, uh, at that site out there, just to continue to find information uh, to add to the. Um, story of the Fort Mose and it it being actually a uh, location and tell more about the inhabitants that was there. So they continue to dig out there and to find uh, certain things out there. It's, it's such a great story, I, you know, and I'm, I love um, the art, you know, there's, there's the, the freedom part of it. And then there's the archeology span side of it. And um, I think you guys are just kind of, uh, creating so much more by adding this musical element because that's a big part of of you know the the the, the heritage um that you're creating well can you tell us more about fight freedom because i wasn't aware of that and i might actually be in saint augustine this weekend <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, flight, flight to freedom is uh, one of our signature events uh and it sort of depicts that that uh, that 300 mile journey that uh, the enslaved people took when they were uh trying to get their freedom uh and Currently, right now, uh, it's a three-day event. The first two days uh, is sort of geared towards uh, bringing the school kids, the tour group, the school kids in uh, on tour buses. Uh, and then the third day is sort of open to the public. However, the public is also invited uh, the first, the first and the second day also, but they sort of mix in with the school, the school groups. Uh, but that uh, the flight to freedom, uh, we have ten stations, and those ten stations uh, depict that entire journey. Uh, the first station is uh, where the uh, enslaved, uh, the runaway enslaved person uh, comes out and, and talks about uh, her journey, her journey or his journey uh, to St. Augustine. And of course, then the next station is the Yamasee station, which is which uh, reaches out and talks about how they help the uh, the enslaved persons to reach uh, St. Augustine. Uh, so there was a com camaraderie between the uh, natives and also the uh, runaway enslaved personnel. And of course, then you have the, uh, uh, I want to call it the uh, person that uh, is uh, paid to bring the enslaved people back uh, to to the plantations, you know. Uh, and so his, his job is to, hey, that's that's what I'm getting paid for, and that's what that's what I do. So, so uh, he's the, uh, not the caretaker, but he's the uh, person that, the, the bounty, the, sort of the bounty hunter, as you as you want to call them. 
And then, of course, then we you run into the, the uh, priest, which the priest sort of welcomes the uh, enslaved people um, that makes that journey down. Once they get past the uh, the uh, uh, person that is uh, out to sort of uh, take them back to uh, the uh, plantation. And then we have there's a station called the boatman. The boatman sort of in, sort of helps the uh, enslaved person to make that sort of help continue that journey. So it so there's like ten stations, and uh, if you have not seen it. Uh, it's certainly a, a heartwarming story, and, and we've had people to take that uh, tour, and uh, when they come off of that tour, uh, it's amazing how uh, humbly and uh, tearful that some of them are. I had a lady to come a couple of years, last year, to come off that tour, and she said, I had no idea, I had no realization uh, that uh, the story was uh, that that oh, I guess what uh, mm, powerful. I guess the word is powerful, and 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 most people say that once they uh, take that tour, uh, it you become very passionate uh, about the story and also about what the story what the story is all about. The story is about uh, freedom, and we all know that freedoms is a powerful powerful thing, and this is something that that we all. Uh, regardless of what it is or where it is, you know, is what uh, we all want to be. Uh, and not just uh, African-Americans, but I think all walks of life that we have those uh, uh, things that sort of sort of bind us. And so if you can get out one of that, then you're free, right? So it's no different than being uh, uh, enslaved as well as being just where you are in your life today so freedom freedom the word freedom is a powerful 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 word uh that that i think sometimes we take lightly could not agree more i um i know you said i know you didn't have a lot of time to give us today we that's incredible everything is just very um amazing that's happening there. How can how can our listeners support Fort Mose? Because uh, I heard you say a lot of a lot of things about how you got your funding for reconstruction, and I didn't didn't hear one thing there about uh, the state giving you money. So clearly, this is a citizen generated event. How can how can people help? Where can they can they join an organization? Is there a place they can make a donation? Uh, yes, uh, they can go. They can go to the uh, the Florida Foundation. The Florida Foundation uh, and go on their website and they can make a do donor do donors donations. Uh, we have a website uh, that is set up just for donations, and on that website uh, you can go to uh, fortmose.org and it'll lead you to a site uh, site that you can make donations. Also, I think you can go to the. Florida Park Foundation's uh, website and uh, okay. also, also leads to there uh, as a way to uh, continue to uh, give, uh, make donations. We will we will definitely get that link in our show notes so people can go there directly. Mr. Ellis, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. I know you're super busy, especially with everything coming up this month. I hope that you have a wonderful, impactful event. And I hope to meet you in person soon. Okay. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Rick. And thank you all for the chat. Thank you for having me, okay?
Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye. I mean, wow, Rick, that's that's an incredible undertaking. I, you know, the, one of the things I love about St. Augustine is it's like an onion, and there are so many different layers to the history there. You know, there's contemporary African-American history with Martin Luther King being there and civil rights and the struggle for civil rights happening in the 1960s. But then there's this amazing history from 1738. You know, that's 200 years or after the, the Spanish initially got there. There's just every aspect of American history has some kind of representation in St. Augustine. It's it's incredible. There's so much Florida that we don't talk about in the history. And, um, you know, the, the idea of Florida being part of the Underground Railroad. I know we talked about this when Uzi was, was on the podcast a few months ago, but it's just um, people don't know. They think Florida's new. And the reality is Florida's been a beacon of, of hope for people, not just sun seekers coming down to the beach now, but I mean, how, how long have people been coming to Florida for for far more important dreams than a suntan, right? I mean, yeah. it's it's incredible. And uh I think, you know, I are you going to be able to go this weekend cuz I am going to see if I can get up there. It's it's I will have to see uh it is my wife's birthday, so I you know, she sets the agenda. I I didn't know this <laughs> was going on. Uh but we will be there. So I'll I'll put this on her list of potential things. I do you know, I am working on another project that I have to do research for, so I also have a hidden agenda as well. But I might Ooh. be able to do both. And this is right in my wheelhouse of the stuff that I'm really passionate about at the moment. And also doing research on, so I would love to go. If I don't go this year, you know, I need to go next year because it sounds wonderful. And the gentleman he talked about who does the, uh, who portrays that character of Fernando Menendez is amazing. Amazing. He brings him to life. And, you know, do you have the, the Once Upon a Time in Florida book? Yes, I do. There's a chapter about him written by Darcy McMahon from uh, the Florida Museum of Natural History. And what an amazing character. You know, the, the poor guy, he was brought over from Africa and he was on a plantation in South Carolina or one of the Carolinas. And then he escaped to freedom. Then he was re-enslaved. And then he worked his way in the Spanish militia to, to be regain his freedom again. And then he became a privateer for the Spanish. And the British captured him and the British tortured him and put him back in slavery again. But somehow he got out of slavery a second time and ended up going back to Port Mose. And it's just this amazing tale of persistence and courage that's one of those those stories that should not be forgotten in Florida history. I think uh, today, more than ever, we need more stories that offer hope. That's true. It, it is interesting how our state is rarely static. It's constantly changing. It's it's attractive to different people at different times. There is an element of, you know, I think about where we are today and certain people are being drawn to our state. And it's different from but similar to what was happening at the end of the 19th century when they were trying to track immigration to Florida of a like-minded um, individuals and, and things. And that's happening again today. And there's so many parallels, but we need to find positive stories because you know some of the stuff that's happening in our state right now is quite negative. 
So these kind of stories give noticed. us hope. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's um too complex an issue. We talk about Black history and what's been overlooked in Florida and what's yeah. been overlooked in, in American history about Florida Black and Spanish and British. Uh, it's too much to cover in one podcast episode, but I think that um, you know we can we can keep going with this. This is always such a great conversation. Yes, um, and I'm always heartened to see things like uh, three million dollars in private donations supporting Black History. I mean, clearly, uh, despite our bad press, there are some really good people who are supporting some really good things in Florida. Yes. Yeah, there's good stuff going on. It is hard to, you know, kind of weave through all the distractions of the negative things that are going on to get to the positive stuff. But somehow, you know, for instance, the thing that's going on this Flight to Freedom, I've seen tons of promotion on their jazz series and they're bringing in major artists. It's going to jazz and blues, I should say. Uh, so big time national names it's it's a big festival but the flight to freedom i wasn't aware of so you know maybe that's one thing that we can work on is help amplify some of these things and like the galagichi he talked about armstrong armstrong was a little african american community south of st augustine that i didn't even know about until a couple of months ago because really all that's there now is is a park and then there's you know there's some houses still there but as a town it doesn't exist anymore and there's a um, a trail that goes through and it tells you about some of the history, but it's one of those stories that could have been easily lost had somebody not stepped forward to preserve those things. And maybe that's something else that we could do is we can help amplify those stories as well. Well, I think it's important. They're good stories. Yes. Um, you know, and what we, we did miss the Gullah Geechee Fest this year. It was in December, but yes. we have a link in the show notes to the festival, to the Heritage Trail in Florida, because a lot of people don't realize that it's part of Florida's history. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's really just, um, it's a wonderful culture. Um, and, uh, you know, but going back to the jazz, Wynton Marsalis is going to be there. Yeah. I mean... Kebmo, I, I just wrote a feature article for a, a client about um, folk art at the House of Blues in Orlando and talked about how it's a natural thing. The folk art, the self-taught art is how it falls along with blues. And it's it's really not just art. It, it's a study in Southern history, um, both the blues and, and folk art. So um, I think... People who are in the industry and historians recognize this. People who are fans of the School of Art recognize this. But to the casual listener, um, they might not understand the, the history and the impact of this music and why it matters so much. So um, I'm excited about the festival. Yeah, they had a speaker at the History Center last year who kind of went back through musical history history and he had this graphic with all forms of contemporary music and you know it's like it's like an org chart or a family tree kind of turned on its side and it all goes back to the very basic music from africa that these enslaved people from africa brought over and you know rock and roll jazz all those forms of what we call american music all originate 
from you know the music that was brought over from Africa. And then you add in, of course, elements of European music that you know people from the England and uh, Scotland and Ireland brought in, and you know they put their own twists on it, and it kind of evolves to country music. But so much of it is based in that early music of Africa, and that's a big part of the story. And they did um, ring shouting or something. Ah, I'm probably butchering the name. Uh, ring calls or or something like that at the Gullah Geechee Festival. Ring shouting that is what you're what you're thinking. Is of. is that right? The ring shout, yeah. Uh, the ritual. Yes. Yeah. And that all you know, goes back to that time. And the more we can shine a light on uh, the connections, I think the more interesting it becomes. I'm, I mean, for me, when I learn about hidden aspects of Florida history, it makes me have such a deeper connection to this place. And where it seems like we're still learning the most are the areas of indigenous studies and the indigenous people and African-American and those people who traditionally have been overlooked by historians, you know, not old white men history, but the, those other stories, you know, the, the people who have lived on the fringes of popular history because it was thought they didn't contribute. That's where we find the rich stuff that is is so much more interesting and and it just fleshes out a more complete story for the state. It, it, it's so it, it's it's a better story and not because of the struggle, not because of the subjugation. It, it's just got more, more flavor. There, yeah. There's more, um, more to it. And, and it's such an, and I feel like, you know, everybody listening out here, I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, Rick, <laughs> but the fact that we ignore and pretend that history was just built by white people in America is ridiculous because there's no, we wouldn't have a white house without black people um you know we we would not have survived without the american indians it's just so ridiculous to me that we've minimized these this rich tapestry of cultures and and make it seem like it's something separate from us when we don't exist in spite of it we exist because of it in this country it's it's crazy so Anyway, that's that's my soapbox. I'm going to push it back under my chair. I know everybody listening probably already espouses that belief, but I just um, – the news can be exhausting emotionally lately. You know, I, I, I wake up and in the morning, one of the first things I even say, say to my husband anymore is what's going on now um, because it feels like the, the, the hits keep coming. And um, – it's important, I think, sometimes to remember that we are so much more than this instance in our history in Florida, that we have, um, I don't know how to explain it, but we have we have a moment in time right now, and that's really all this is. What's happening in the past eight years, 10 years in Florida is a moment in time, and it's always nice to look back and look at the whole of our history and remember that we are more than just a part. We are, we are more than the sum of our parts and that overall we still have a lot of good things that the state has done or the people of our state have done. It yeah. helps get me through some of the stuff I read in the news this week. <laughs> so I can tell you about two positive things that happened this weekend in this same arena of, of black history. Uh, 
Zora Fest is going on here in Eatonville. And so I think it's still going. I know there were events yesterday. I don't know if it's continuing th this week, but in the main part of the festival was this weekend, which is, you know, brings people from all over the world, basically, to celebrate Zora and Neil Hurston. And then the Matheson Museum in Gainesville brought in Kindrum, uh, or sorry, Ibram Kendi, who wrote the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And he was talking about his latest book, which is, uh, he made a, a a kid's version of Zora Neale Hurston's book, Barracoon. And he, this is his third book where he's done an abridged version, you know, so that young readers have access to her work. And he was in Gainesville speaking to, you know, a, a large crowd at um, a middle school about, you know, the importance of Zora and about the importance of getting Zora's work in the hands. Now, of course, this book will be banned in Florida, but Everyone who paid to go to that event got a copy of the book. So, you know, I went with a party of three. We have three copies that we are going to make sure gets to the right people so that, that kids can read these stories. So those are two events that happened this weekend that flies in the face of some of the more negative things in the headlines. That's That's great. I think we should always put something. I think we should try and end this podcast every week with, Something that flies in the face of all the non-spectacular things. I think that's a great idea. In on an up note, because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we, it's hard to find the up note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. On that note, um, it looks like ZoraFest is pretty much done. Okay. But there is always next year, and we'll put the link to uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist in the show notes. I think I'll get myself a copy of that, and uh, we'll put the link to the children's book you mentioned in the show notes, too. So hop on over to uh, our show notes and get everything you need. And I learned some stuff, and I'm looking forward to my next trip to St. Augustine. All right. Well, hey, stay spectacular, Rick. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.